It was a small microcosm for the season as a whole, with Max Verstappen taking a record-setting 15th victory in 2022 at Yas Marina that never seemed in any doubt. Welcome to the episode 249 of Grid Talk. Today we're here to discuss the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, my name is Owen Medford and joining me we have Sophia Richmond from Everything F1. Hi. Uh, Philip uh, Matthew, co-host of the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. And Josh Huffine, the other co-host of the Grip Strip podcast. Um, before we get hey, to the sorry. show, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I completely talked over you there. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. But first, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star review uh, rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and subscribe. So as I said earlier, uh, Max Verstappen took a pretty convincing victory um, over Charles Leclerc. Josh, uh, just to get obviously as a as a sort of first time uh, first time guest on the show, um, you know, kind of what are your thoughts about uh, Max Verstappen's win there? Because it kind of looks like it it was going to happen no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was in any doubt really. Um, you know, it was a thoroughly uh, dominating win uh, throughout, and you know, like you said, it's a very microcosm of the season because you know, fifteen wins on the year. You know, he really didn't um you know didn't have to really risk anything in this one but um they went with a one-stop strategy um being able to manage his tires throughout the entire race so not really a um a victory that was really in any doubt and certainly had the pace uh, throughout the you know entire weekend to be able to do it and even was able to skip the first practice just to uh, let somebody else drive and then and you know be able to win the pole and have a good qualifying effort there led to certainly a dominating their uh dominating win there for sure yeah 100 percent. that's a big thing i mean he lost an hour worth of practice time and uh and it didn't matter whatsoever uh <laughs> you know he just just completely pulled away uh from charles leclerc in second place who um actually kind of pulled a blinder philip to um to get into that second place uh ferrari finally it only took them a year uh working out how to how to set up a strategy well, at least uh, they figured it out at the last, and uh, they finally came good. Uh, the Ferraris actually had decent pace, too, this weekend. Uh, in, I mean, they've always had the pace in qualifying, really, for most of the year, but all, yeah, I say always, but you know, most of the year, and then uh, this weekend, definitely. And then, you know, Charles was not feeling great about the choice to go to uh, one stop, but in the end, it was the right strategy because of the track that they're at. I mean, honestly, uh, you're going to get caught up in traffic. And then even if you're not caught up in traffic, being able to really make a move uh, is is virtually, you know, it's not easy if at all, unless you're going to barge through somebody or do some questionable stuff. So, I mean, Leclerc in the end held his, was, was calm, cool, collected, which is something he probably needed earlier in the year when he was still somewhat in the mix with uh, the other guy. And um, he did what he had to do, get second in the world championship, Ferrari second in the constructors. So a great, in the end, by the numbers, it shows a great year for Ferrari. Once you dig into it, though, you see a lot of the warts that exist there and a lot of missed opportunities that Ferrari definitely had 
in 2022. I don't. I mean, it doesn't really matter. They weren't going to beat Verstappen. The Red Bull was a better car, but you know they they could have maximized more race results, more wins, and you know Verstappen would have won what 12, 13 races, or maybe or eleven or whatever, and he still would add a world championship. But um, good on Charles Leclerc getting that podium for Ferrari. Uh, locking up that second in constructors and second in the drivers. So great result for him in his career moving on to next year. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think yeah, you make an excellent point that Ferrari might be second in the constructors uh, relatively convincingly um, at the end. Uh, I think it doesn't, you, you know, you have to look at how far away they are from, from Ferrari um, to just see how, how bad the season has been. Um, they had everything going for them and uh, and they threw it away. Now, um, speaking of uh, sort of having everything going for you and kind of throwing it away, it wasn't really his fault. Um, but Sergio Perez, he unfortunately, as Sophia could not get, uh, he could not outscore Charles Leclerc and... Um, you know, I, I, it's going to hate people are going to get pain to say that, uh, going to get pain to hear this uh, be said. But um, Max Verstappen letting him through in Brazil wouldn't have mattered, would it? No, definitely not. I think you'd still been probably about two points out or one point out. It just wasn't the race and like the amount of slating that Max got, the amount of everything outside of um, the actual racing situation just got way out of hand for it. But Checo, he did well. Uh, he was like, I think, 1.3 seconds off from Charles towards the last lap. He defended and, and had some good races, some good overtaking um, throughout the race. But it just wasn't his race. And, yeah, people are going to talk about Brazil and all that. But like Sky have said and like we've just said, like it wouldn't have made a difference no matter what um, for if Perez was to get the second place um, in the Drivers' Championship. It, it just wasn't worth – it wasn't even possible. But, I mean, there was other – times that Perez could have gotten more points than was needed um more so early on in the season but overall as well Red Bull finally winning the constructors as well um since what eight years now um but definitely going forward as well we'll I think we'll see a lot more from Perez a bit more in this new season and I think communication within the drivers and the teams is definitely going to be more crucial this new season going forward yeah, hundred um, percent. Now we move on to uh, Carlos Sainz, Josh, who is uh, started fourth, finished fourth. Um, would you say he kind of got hamstrung by the strategy a little bit, or uh, do you reckon that, that that was the kind of the the best that they could do they could do uh, and helped for you know and, and kind of Sainz had to play that team game uh, to facilitate Leclerc's second place. Yeah, I think maybe it was just more of him playing that team uh, teammate role there. Um, I think you could have said that maybe the strategy could have been better and maybe could have been uh, finished higher than fourth place, possibly get a, a podium, interrupt the Red Bull, uh, you know, sandwich there between him and Leclerc and, and Verstappen. But, you know, I think, um, you know, for signs, you know, 21 laps, uh, younger tires in the final 19 laps, you know, definitely uh, could have, uh, could have been better for him. But, you know, I think Carlos Sainz um, did the best he could being a teammate for Leclerc and certainly helps uh, Leclerc get that uh, second place in the championship for sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's just uh, sometimes the game you have to play. Um, 
now we move on to George Russell, who uh, was having a sort of a, a bit of a well, bit of a ding dong with his with his teammate uh, up until up until the last few laps, um, Phil. But uh, you know, it's kind of I don't know. Would, that, would you say that's a di- disappointing result for uh, for George Russell, or um, is this kind of you know just just a, just an issue that they had at this uh, this weekend for pace? I mean, coming off of the best weekend he's had in his entire Formula One career, uh, it seems like a disappointment, but they didn't have the pace. I mean, in FP1, when you had half the grid with young drivers, uh, basically, or whatever, eight out of 20 or something, uh, or people that or pseudo young drivers, you know, like how Fred will be on Tuesday, um, like Rob Bobby Kubica or whatever, um, who stopped being a young driver about a decade and a half ago. But um, they had pace in the daylight when there was really nobody out there. Uh, but then once we got to reality, um, car, the same issues that they've had all year, um, not having great straight line pace was was a big issue for them. And it came out in qualifying. They had good pace in twistier sections. The third sector is where Max really made up a lot of time. Um, I mean, at the at the end of the day, it was not a great weekend for Mercedes. I mean, Toto came out yesterday and said, well, today's National Toilet Day, somebody told me, and we need to throw this qualifying session in the toilet. And then we should throw this race in the toilet too. Um, this And take the W13 and all the, any parts that aren't going to be used for the W14 and um, take it in a trash bin and torch it because it's one of the crappiest cars ever made that somehow or another finished third in a constructors championship. Um, it did nothing really, really, it barely did anything well. And um, the fact that George Russell, I give credit to him in that he's used to driving bad cars his whole entire Formula One career. So the fact that he's driving this bad car didn't bother him anywhere near as much as his much more experienced and accomplished teammate. So um, it's best of what he could do. Uh, they had pace early, very, very early, early in the race. They seemed to have a little bit of pace, but then it went away from them. Um, Lewis's, you know, issues initially and then getting held up. And it's, it's a disappointment after coming off your first win, but he finished, he's literally only the, second person who legitimately beat Lewis Hamilton so in a in a season so credit to him i mean we heard about fred alonzo and the people that have beat him and and i heard one particular person that made me laugh so um the fact is at least lewis can say he's been beat by somewhat legitimate drivers in his career so yeah, uh, I think that's a big thing to say is that, you know, George Russell has really proved himself, whatever you may say, you know, however you want to detract from him, um, he has beaten Lewis Hamilton, um, which is, you know, a similar achievement to uh, to some bloke from Minardi beating a two-time world champion. Um, uh, so we move on to Lando Norris, best of the rest in the race and best of the rest in the world championship. To be fair, that I would say that that you know that's a pretty big achievement uh from Lando Norris to to get that seventh place in the world championship by getting a sixth place here but it wasn't enough to uh enable uh oh McLaren to get ahead of Alpine there we go I thought of the teams um yeah just just not quite there was he unfortunately 
No, I mean, to be fair, he has carried McLaren this entire season off his back. Like, he deserved everything that he has um, achieved so far this season. I I think with how situation with Daniel throughout the season, not getting into final qualifying, never really being that far into the points, and then you have Lando just literally out driving him this entire season. It This is the proof. Like, It'll be interesting looking at the numbers now this offseason because I'm going to be completely bored and seeing how much of the points ratio is actually going to be to Lando because I'm I'm going to say it's going to be probably like a two to one or even a three to one to Daniel. Um, but seven of the constructors, I think that's his highest he's ever been as well um, in his career, So, which is a great feat to have. Um, it's going to be interesting in the new season with Piastri coming over. Obviously, Lando would need to take even a bigger lead in the McLaren for the new season, but we'll definitely see how it goes. But he was deserving. I feel like he could have finished a lot higher, probably helped, and like Daniel could have helped a little bit more in the Constructors Championship fight because obviously that's more of the bigger bigger battle for them compared to the Drivers uh, Drivers Championship. Yeah, I believe it's a oh, it's probably about a three and a half to four to one uh, ratio of uh, of Lando to to for, uh, to Ricardo's point scoring efforts, um, which is as we. I mean, we've said it numerous times before now, but you know, really to put the nail in the coffin, it's a it's an awful um, season for Ricardo, and unfortunately, it has kind of probably precipitated his return to a, dri- a reserve driver role, which is, I'd say, worse than being um, at Hispania um, or HRT, whichever he was driving through at that point, uh, driving for at that point. I can't remember what name they had. Um, now, speaking of teams that have had multiple different names over the years, uh, we move to the Alpine of uh, Esteban Ocon, Josh. And um, to be honest with you, it couldn't, it wouldn't have mattered where he'd finished. Um, looking at the points, but um, was that was that a decent race for his for his uh, for his last race with Fernando? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a definitely decent race. Um, you know, being able to get seventh uh, in the results, of course, better result than Fernando for sure. With you know, Fernando did not finish the race, but um, you know, Esteban, decent final race, um, closing out the season, closing out uh, his Alpine chapter of his career. But um, definitely, uh, you know, for uh, Esteban, um, you know, he's had a victory in his time with Alpine, you know, of course, last year. But, uh, you know, this year, definitely a, a solid result. And, you know, look forward to, you know, what he's able to produce next year. Um, but, uh, you know, for uh, Fernando, um, you know, as his teammate, you know, didn't finish the race, um, which, you know, kind of a boomer bust, uh, you know, up and down year for um, that, kind of that, as that team as a whole. But, um, you know, for uh, Ocon, you know, he definitely had a good result um, to close out uh, his uh, Alpine career, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's good for Ocon. Um, right. We move on to kind of, this is this is unfortunately the kind of nothing section of the grid. Um, that's the problem when you finish uh, sort of uh, eighth to a twelfth. Um, we've then got uh, Lance Stroll, who won't be worrying about his sneak next year. Willie Phillip. Oh no, they did such a great job with the strategy the last two weeks at Stroll F one to send off the legendary Sebastian Vettel in um in in great stead you know not giving him any soft tires at the end of the brazilian grand prix and 
this year in this race, not giving him an opportunity to get a second pit stop. And he gets passed by the owner's owner's son. Um, yeah, uh, good for him. Uh, you know, he got points. Uh, the reality of the world is uh, he, they still somehow or another figured out a way to not pass Alfa Romeo, who, if you really look at the standings this year, Alfa Romeo stopped basically scoring points prior to the summer break. And Aston Martin didn't really score, start scoring points till after the summer break, essentially, which is probably which is why that it was this close. But when you consider funding and budgeting, um, Aston Martin should have been able to beat uh, Alpha Sauber, honestly, in in the constructors, but they couldn't do it. So, um, hey, but at least Lance got Lance got an eighth place. So, whatever it's worth to him, I guess. Yeah, Alfa Romeo broad GPing their way to a seventh place in the constructors. I think um, is it seventh? No, it's sixth. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> gosh, this is going to be a bit of a mess. This one. Um, we move to Daniel Ricciardo. Sophia, um, what can be said about Daniel Ricciardo that hasn't already been said? I don't remember what happened to him in the race. I don't think he did much. I mean, he battled with Vettel towards the end. Uh, that's probably the only thing I kind of remember um, of it. And then pretty much post-race, apparently he did donuts and Sky never recorded it or like shown it. Same with Mick as well. Mick was doing donuts, but nobody was caring about it. Um, but he had a lot to say afterwards about where his future is going to be. He says it's most likely to, it's a more likely situation to go with Red Bull but then also he's not going for all the races as well. But for this race, he was very quiet. The only time you really saw him was when he was battling with Vettel for the last two laps to see who was going to finish above each other and how that was going to affect Seb's last race. But that's pretty much it that I remember seeing from Daniel, which is really sad to see given it is potentially his last race ever in F1 as well. Yeah, he has to move to the um to the to the kind of I always feel like it's the bridesmaids never the bride uh, role in F one that is uh, is being a reserve driver. It it just looks like the kind of uh, that kind of that kind of role that you just you you don't want but you take just in case. Like you know, hopefully you'll be a cool tard, but it's more likely that you'll be an Anthony Davidson. Um, Not you know, even reserve as well. It's I think they said third driver, so like only doing media and like testing, but like not getting into the free practices. Not if somebody is sick, kind of he would step up. It's more like publicity more than anything else from what I've seen and what I've heard. Um, which again is even sadder as well um for daniel but very weird so so it's more like so it's more like a a, a post career david coulthard role rather yeah. than a rather than a williams career david coulthard role um that is, that is unfortunate um we moved down to um yuki sonoda in um you know, sort of moving from one uh red bull b team to uh, re, uh to another um yuki sonoda i don't remember whether he's uh, safe next year for his seat. Um, oh, he is. Oh, he is. That's, that's a shame. That's ruined my. Uh, that's ruined my my lead into him. Whether saying you know is this result good enough um, for a uh, for, for him to keep his seat, um, Josh? But I think I'll just have to move to. Is this result good enough for Yuki Sonoda? Well, I think 
it's certainly it could be good enough for him, but being 12th, uh, last, you know, last car on the, on the lead lap, uh, in this race. But, um, you know, I think, I think Yuki probably deserves better going into next year and, um, certainly, you know, could have been a, a better result. Um, you know, lost out in the points to Sebastian, but, um, you know, I think, um, for, you know, Yuki, uh, 17th in the standings right now. Um, so pretty, pretty, uh, uh, mediocre year for him, but, uh, compared to the results that, you know, his teammate this year, Pierre Gasly was able to put up, but, uh, you know, I, I think we'll have to find out next year, um, if he's able to continue to, you know, be a good, uh, driver for, uh, the B team of, uh, Red Bull essentially, uh, with, uh, Al, you know, with Alpha Tori there, but I think, you know, Definitely next year, Yuki, uh, you know, he has a chance to kind of be that number one driver for uh, Alpha Tori, but we'll have to see if he's able to put up the results and if uh, they even have the pace uh, compared to Red Bull. Uh, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's really it's the it's the kind of um, the curse of the uh, Red Bull B team is maybe not having the ha- having the resources, but not having the uh, nef- necessarily the pace uh, to compete with the uh, Red Bull A team. Um, now we move to, I mean, we, we mentioned it slightly earlier, but we move to the team that has, uh, as I say, has really kind of nickel and dimed their way, I would say, to, uh, to beating Aston, uh, Aston Martin. And, you know, that they are the highest in the championship, um, you know, sort of in, in they're, they're sort of in the sort of highest, in the, high, yeah, highest in the sort of mid midfield, I guess, is what I'd call them. Uh, and uh, to be fair, beating an Aston Martin that has a lot more funding than them is pretty pretty good. Um, but we have Grand Joe. Um, how did his race go today, Phil? It's typical of his season, really. Uh, generally uneventful, quiet. Um, nothing too spectacular. Nothing crazy. Yeah, there were some days where it kind of went sideways for him. Uh, but, uh, of course, whatever British Grand Prix. But, the, I mean, it considering what happened to his teammate today. Uh, I think uh, Joe can leave, uh, you know, happy with a clean car and had some battles and was out there and learned a lot this year. And people question the validity of him being up there in Formula One because of the money that he brings to the table and whatever, all these other things. But honestly, for for what he's shown previously, where he's at now, the kind of uh, um, stability that he's able to bring to Sauber Alpha as they're transitioning to Audi here in a few years' time uh, is is a good thing. We'll see what he does next year. Now, you've had one year. Let's see how you prepare, how you come back for the second year. We'll see what uh, Alpha Sauber can do with their car. Um, Botas is a great tester and he understands how to make, you know, make those changes. So, um, you know, nice enough day. They were able to somehow or another hold off Aston Martin. Um, and, uh, they'll, they'll need every single penny in that to go and utilize for next year within their budget cap. But, um, I mean, they finished, so that's better than a lot of races where they had mechanicals or other issues. So that in itself is a bonus. Yeah, definitely. The uh, Ferrari powering unit not exactly being uh, rock solid. 
Now, we move to Alex Albon, who uh, I found interesting that he put up less of a... Uh, he, he got out of the way far more quickly than Gasly did when the leaders were coming through, particularly with uh, with Sergio Perez to fear. Uh, is, that, is, that a, is that a sort of uh, maybe uh, just a kind of... I don't know, what's the word? I don't know. A bit of loyalty to his former team? Um, maybe. It could also be where it was located as well. Because um, some of the tracks, it's very difficult to give space um, to let the drivers leading pass. I mean, Alex this season has done tremendously well, given everything that he's been through. Obviously, fighting medical and health problems uh, <laughs> mid-season and just outperforming his teammate. I mean, it's not that hard to do, but outperforming his teammate this season, coming back into F1 in his first year back after taking some time out. But it was a good race for him, obviously outside the points. But Williams, I hate to say this, Williams surprised me this season a bit. I was expecting it to be like how it was with Haas last season, pretty much barely any points. But obviously we've had a few points with Nick stepping in and then Alex and then obviously Latibi getting points finally as well. But he just did well for this season. And especially with this race, it was a very quiet race for him um, compared to his teammate who had a spin in a few other instances um, in this race, but it was a good one for him. It's going to be interesting. The new season again, I'm going to keep on saying this new season now because we finished the season. I'm already looking forward to it's a hundred and something five days until F1 starts back up again in March. Um, But it's going to be interesting with the rookie of Logan coming in as well to see what he will do to lead the team. Because obviously he was not the leader this season, given that Latifi has been with the team for three years and Alex is is his first year. But I'm hoping I'm, I'm expecting bigger things for Williams. I'm expecting more points for both of the drivers. I, I mean, hopefully, I would say maybe a podium. It's possible. We saw that with George. Anything could happen in the Williams by the sounds of it. And how great they are in the wets and the straights as well will be very crucial with some of these races, especially the sprint races that are going to be taking place as well. Yeah, um, there are definitely some positives at Williams. Um, they do have, I think, probably quite a lot solid driver lineup. Um, and and there's some positives in the car, but unfortunately they are in a class of one, um, and that is not a place that you want to be when that class of one is uh, something like uh, 27 points, I think, uh, off off of uh, off of the next cu- uh, off the next team in the constructors. It is uh, is another last place finish for Williams, which is not what they're going to be wanting. Um, now we move to Pierre Gasly. Um, started on the softs. Uh, did that ruin his race, Josh? Uh, from from the very beginning. I mean, it's. I think it's a, a kind of a achievement to get up to where he is. But could he, could they have done better if they just had gone uh, traditional on the strategy? Yeah, I think he could have gone traditional on strategy and um, started out not on the softs because I don't think it worked for them. Because uh, you know, early on in the race, they were already uh, far behind in the back uh, in seventeenth, but didn't really. Um, move uh, any further than that and you know finish the uh race you know off you know off the lead lap um didn't didn't really have any pace throughout and you know surprisingly uh yuki sonoda actually had a better race than his teammate and finished ahead of them and then i guess it afforded the you know ability for alpha tori to be able to double stack uh with both uh 
Pierre and Yuki, but, uh, you know, Pierre Gasly, kind of a underwhelming result for, you know, the final race for him finally kind of leaving the Red Bull paradigm, uh, going between, you know, Toro Rosso formerly and going to, um, Red Bull and then now AlphaTauri and then now next year going to Alpine. So it might be a you know different uh strategy or you know different experience there. We'll see if he's able to, you know, perform uh any better than what he's done with AlphaTauri. But you know, this this race here, you know, definitely did not have uh, a lot a lot of pace and you know, going on the softs. Um probably, you know, I guess the thinking is there, you know, you can advance your position, but um didn't really have anything uh to be able to do that and then um just uh, couldn't couldn't get a good result. So uh, yeah, Pierre um, could have been uh, you know could have been on that strategy on the normal strategy, but uh, different different strategies for th- for that team. So uh, you know couldn't couldn't uh, have a better finish. But you know maybe they could have if he had stayed on the normal tire strategy. Yeah, um, just just not great for them, unfortunately, from what they're from their decisions. Yeah, it just didn't work out. I mean, it should have probably should have been obvious when apparently it was eleven laps of uh, tire life on the softs, and uh, and they picked those to go with. Um, I think that's putting them towards a three stop, which definitely wasn't the way to go. Um, uh, now we have uh, Valtteri Bottas in fifteenth place, gained three places from eighteenth. Um, is the only value that he really gave to the race uh, visual in that? The Alpha, uh, the Alfa Romeo looks quite nice under the lights. Yeah, uh, that that's it. it. Other than his great mustache, um, his um, his ode to the past, whether you want to say it's Nigel Mansell or um, KK Rosberg, um, that his stash game is on point. I guess the new uh, his his new uh, partner girlfriend really likes it. Um, and um, Alfa Romeo, it must bring the Ted Lasso vibes and and bring lots of positivity to their um, team. And um, it definitely affected downforce numbers, I think, and and traction and other things that probably would have helped with their ability to be somewhere near the front. Uh, Screwed me up in my F1 fantasy because I kind of, went and made my adjustments uh, looking at the pace that they had on Friday and that pace never came to fruition on Saturday or Sunday. So, um, well, I, I'll give credit to Valtteri. Now he seems a lot more free and uh, looser and, and growing out a stash and um, getting used to his, he's getting ready to be a world rally driver. I think we hear in a few years time, once he gets out of formula one, he's starting to get this, the Yuha Kankinen look to him. So um, credit to Valtteri on that. Since he's going to be running with uh, Mika Akinen, um in the race of champions, I think. So uh, that'll be cool to see. Yeah, slightly poor, slightly poor name, unfortunately, for Valtteri Bottas. He never did achieve that championship. Um, <laughs> uh, right, so now we move to Mick Schumacher, who, all things considered, I'd say, Sophia, uh, at a blinder of a race, finished in front of Latifi, even with a five-second penalty, and his teammate. Yeah, um, I was just looking at the race results. I didn't realize that Kevin finished so low. Um, I don't know what happened there, but I mean, obviously Latifi retired, so makes sense. But I mean, he wasn't that far off. It wasn't obviously his highest this season because he's been in the points. But I mean, it's been more of his consistent like level this season um the incident with latibi that was such a bad mistake for mick um 
I have to say it's his fault over Latifi's. He should have just watched where he was going. Um, I'm going to be upset not seeing Mick on the track next season. Um, apparently, rumors is that he's taking Mercedes' reserve driver. Um, but again, that's another rumor of the many... So the season's not over yet, even with the season being over. <laughs> it's just going to keep on going this entire season. But overall, his season, better than last season, did well, minus the incident with Latifi in the second. He produced some good racing, some good overtaking a few times as well, some good battling with the lower teams. But other than that, like it just wasn't as memorable compared to some of the other drivers for today's race. Yeah, um, and speaking of sort of not being memorable, uh, we have Kevin Magnussen, Josh, who uh, I don't think I ever really saw on the TV coverage. Um, you know, it, it's I, I don't know what kind of happened to him. Uh, he started in 16th and ended up in 17th. That's probably, I think that's, that, that kind of sums up his race, does it not? Yeah, I think it kind of sums up his race, and I feel like it really just sums up Haas F1 in general as a as a team. You know, they don't really have any pace, and you know, a week ago he was on pole, and now uh, finishing 17th here in Abu Dhabi, and kind of coming back to earth, I guess, you know, after being uh, on the highlights and everything a week ago in Brazil, but um, started out on the hards to you know begin the race, and then went uh, onto the mediums. So. You know, they did have a one-stop strategy, but uh, didn't really get anything and ended up having a net loss of minus one. Of course, like you said, 16th and, you know, finishing in 17th um, there. But yeah, not a not a really great race overall for uh, K-Mags and uh, definitely uh, going to, you know, continue to be the lead guy next year at, at Haas. Uh, you know, we'll see if they're able to make any gains uh, next year and if, um, you know, they have any pace. But, yeah, I don't think I saw him on the TV either uh, throughout the race. Uh, you know, really, really a slow race overall, I think, for Haas. Um, you know, and, and the only highlight you saw there was from his teammate, of course, which we just talked about. But, yeah, nothing nothing really uh, memorable about this race for K-Mag for sure. Yeah, um, luckily he's not fighting for a seat, so it doesn't really matter. Um, right, now we move to the section of the finishers where most of the world championships are kind of congregated. Um, uh, we go to uh, Lewis Hamilton, who is, you know, it was it was, it was was a tough day for, it, for, for him, Phil. Um, he, you know, obviously he started well, was going well, and then, uh, and then kind of everything just kind of f- fell apart um, through the race. Yeah, I mean, they had a mirror uh, image of lap one of last year's race, then ran over the sausage curb, then who knows if he had power unit issues or something going on, electrical issues, then they decided to run him long and only did a one stop, which was also a mistake. Um, I mean, hydraulic, yeah, that makes, thank you, Sophia. I figure it makes it makes sense, you know, have a power, have that hydraulic issue that was led to the DNF first DNF for the main Mercedes team this year. And it comes at a time where Sir Lewis Hamilton will go without either a pull or a win for the first time in his career. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, considering to go whatever, 14 years and win at least one race and one pole um is um it's an outstanding statistic 
Um, that's things that like here in the States thinking about some of the people in NASCAR and IndyCar being able to have long streaks of winning one race like that, or winning a pole like that, that's something you keep track of. And for, to be that prolific, um, this year was definitely a throwaway year. He was beat by George for a good part of the season. Um, this after the summer break, really Lewis was better. Uh, of course, it'll show that, you know, George did do what he did uh, last week at Brazil and he beat Lewis heads up. So credit to to George. He did a great job. He is the future of Mercedes, but Lewis isn't going away and um, he's going to come back and he has a lot of energy and a lot of positive vibes going on and all the different eight trillion entities that he seems to have. So he'll be back and he's in the W14, I would venture to say has to be better because good God, this car was garbage. So um, he'll, you know, if you want to keep him around, he's going to be 38 next year. So, um, I mean, if you're like Fred Alonso, who's going to race until he's 900, maybe he's got a few more years, but um, I think for reality, I think Lewis probably has got about two, maybe three years left. I think he wants to win one more title. I think it's possible for him to win one more title. Um, and um, even with Red Bull's advantages, um, mainly because, you know, I think he's just a better, he's a more intelligent and a better driver than the guy that is the current world champion. So the reality of the world is it should count for something if it comes down to it over to the course of a season. But you need all the pieces in place to win in Formula One. And um, we'll see what happens with that unfortunate end to a very tough season for Sir Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, I think it's a just. I just want to make the point that you know, I think you brushed on it. This is the first mechanical retirement for for Mercedes um, that we can that we can point to, and, and was a case of of things just breaking down. Um, I, I I I can't believe we're saying that twenty two races into a season. Um, I think that's you know, it's almost a testament to how how good Mercedes could have been had the car been faster. Um, obviously, you needed to go through that learning experience, and mid-season development got put on hold. Um, but I think that they'll come back stronger for it. Uh, Twenty uh, the twenty twenty two car, uh, sorry, twenty twenty three car should be uh, should should you know not have those issues. Um, and I think Mercedes with with the reliability that was unmatched, I, I, you know, um, it, it, you know they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, only going out through crash damage on every other occasion is. Um, is impressive um it's not so impressive nicholas Latifi. uh he makes up uh kind of the last of the you know, you know he, he makes up the, the last of the runners um apart from fernando alonso the last of the classified runners is latifi um which is actually kind of surprising in some ways um you know exactly. not a great race for him um funnily enough though his only issue was the fact that he got hit not hit someone else yeah, uh, didn't finish last, I guess. That's some achievement, I guess, for him. Um, yeah, oh, I'm getting all the drivers are leaving this on this podcast today. Um, yeah, I mean, minus the incident with Mick, which, again, was not his fault at all. Um, I don't remember anything else from Latifi. Um, I don't even know when he retired. I know it was, like, probably mid-race, but I don't know when exactly. It was definitely after 
Alonso, but obviously before Hamilton. But weirdly enough, yeah, wasn't as memorable. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, I I don't see him getting a seat pretty much anywhere, maybe, um, in the nice way as possible. But yeah, it, he got points. He finally finished the season with points, helped Williams get some points as well uh, with the Constructors' Championship. Uh, didn't finish last out of the 24 drivers of the season out of the 20 classified. Um, but other than that, yeah, just a very quiet race for him for his last race. Yeah, Latifi, the only time Latifi got on the TV was when he was being hit by someone and didn't even get to retire. Uh, it was a with, perfect with, with, one as well. That was, was like so in sync. <laughs> oh yeah, synchronized spirit. Maybe maybe he has a, uh, maybe he's got a, a career with Ken Block um, doing, I don't know what it would be, Crash Karna, probably. Um, now we move I don't to... think Audi wants to pay for him to go and crash cars though. I like, you'd have to pay Audi first. <laughs> I mean, he might be doing that in IndyCar next year. We'll see. <laughs> you sure. never know. Um, at least the cars are a bit closer to, in uh, in sort of uh, philosophy now. Um, they, they might not be so much of a jump. Um, we have uh, Fernando Alonso now. Just just bringing up the kind of almost the last of the classified runners. Um, uh, not classified. Kind of. You know, I think it's it's, it's almost indicative of his time at Alpine. Is it not, Josh? Yeah, I think it's very indicative of, you know, his time there. Um, very, you know, throughout his time at um, Alpine, you know, he's had some good results, um, a lot of, uh, you know, things that he did well, but at the same time, um, there has been a lot of bad results. And I think you can point to kind of the issues that he's had this year throughout um, the season, you know, this is his fifth uh, DNF uh, this year uh, in, in Formula, actually a sixth, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, He's had a lot of issues with the engine so far this year. Um, and, you know, this one, the latest one, a water leak uh, in the car. So, yeah, disappointing result for uh, Fernando. Um, you know, he had a good start to the race, you know, for him starting out in 10th and, you know, made his way all the way up to the top five before the pit stops. And then, uh, you know, was on the hards and then had the issue with the water leak and had to retire uh, from the race. So yeah, kind of a disappointing end for um, his time at Alpine, um, you know, throughout this year, you know, he's had some opportunities um, and, and then, you know, throughout, you know, throughout it, it had a lot of disappointments and, you know, just the latest of the disappointing results here. And now he's continuing to be the oldest driver in formula one uh, currently active. And, you know, for him, uh, I guess we'll find out next year, you know, what he's able to do, but, you know, he uh, just had a you know n- another disappointing result, and you know Phil said he's going to be you know driving Formula One uh, until he's nine hundred. Well, be interesting to see what you know how he complains and um, when he's an old man on the grid and you know talking about things like oh you have to leave a space uh, on the track. We'll see we'll see how they do as he's you know the oldest guy, but yeah, definitely a disappointing result for sure. Yeah. Good um, luck explaining that to Lauren Stroll. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think Valorant Stroll has probably met his match with uh, Fernando Alonso and uh, and Flavio Briatore. I can't wait to see the kind of things that go down uh, if should things go wrong at Alpha. Uh, sorry, oh, Aston Martin next year. Um, 
Right. Now, speaking of Aston Martin, the eagle-eared among you might have noticed that um, we skipped Sebastian Vettel in 10th place. Um, that's definitely not me forgetting that he was there. Um, that is uh, that is us leaving a special space for, I think, one of, I, you know, I, I know people might not have agreed maybe 10 years ago, um, but one of the most loved drivers on the grid, um, absolutely brilliant to see the guard of honor at the start of the race um you know what what can be said about sebastian vettel that hasn't already been said he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats with four world championships for red bull um brought them their first world championships and really you know you know despite some some issues here and there uh with driver management um he's really come on come along strong um driven for uh, four very very successful teams and the only teams that he's not um he's not got a win for is, is Aston Martin unfortunately um Philip what's what's Sebastian Vettel's legacy this year well this year I mean he he did what he had to do they had a a terrible car to start the year and he did he kind of persevered but he also started having those feelings about you know I think this is probably the time that I should stop because I don't think it's really going to get much better um, here at this team and the opportunities that may have been out there initially when he signed weren't there. He has his other interests, of course, his wife and his children and then with environmentals and all the, I mean, he's a very, the, the it, it was something watching the interview he had on Friday and I was very emotional about that. And I'm like, Man, this guy is just really, he's just an awesome guy. And, and, nobody, and really, when he was at Red Bull, it's true what you said, Owain, that not so sure he could have said that. <laughs> Some of the aggro he had with Mark Webber and the similar kind of stuff with two of those people that are still there, um, you know, promoting their current guy. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the notion is he's become a statesman. He's become somebody who's represented this sport the right way. He's driven for a team that the what was what is Alpha Tori now, um, you know was was once a minority got him their first win. He gets Red Bull uh, their first win. He gets Red Bull their first championships. He goes to Ferrari and is able to win and get them in the position to possibly win championships. Trying to follow in the footsteps of his hero and his friend and the great Michael Schumacher. He's third all-time in wins. As I'm not sure where he's at on polls all-time. It's pretty high up there, too. And feel like second, it seems like the right number, maybe second, third, fourth, somewhere around there. But, you know, he was at, in, at his prime was unbeatable. And I was reading an old story in Racer Magazine from years ago after his fourth world championship or third world champion. Yeah, it was fourth world championship in a row and how he drove the car and how he drove the car was so much different than Mark Webber. And because of that, you could see the differences. It's ironic considering where we are at now, nine years later, uh, there's so many similarities, um, but he's a gentleman. He's a racer. He's loved. Um, and he's made every team that he went to better. And, you know, the resp- you could just see it, you know, the way Lewis and, and Sebastian get along and their relationship they have. The fact that Fernando Alonso as a friend in the Formula One grid is amazing to me. 
um, with his enormous ego and his short stature. Um, you know, and then you have all these other people out there just to love, you know, Mick looks at him and in a lot of ways, he's a big, he's not only a big brother, he's more than that to him. So it's a huge loss for the grid. Um, and I don't know if he's going to race again. I hope he does because he's too talented of a driver to stop. Um, you know, I think he could really help somebody in WEC, he could help somebody in in some other form of racing, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, Danke Seb, thank you so much for everything you've brought to Formula One racing um, and uh, your your jokes and quips and some of the stuff you do in those press conferences definitely will be missed. Yeah. Um, you know, I think everyone's been young and dumb and I think Sebastian would be the first to admit that he was, but he's now become a sort of real shepherd of the sport, uh, in multiple different ways. And I think, uh, helped guide it, uh, maybe to a, to a better, better direction than it was before Sophia. Yeah. Oh, it's been such an emotional weekend. Like even now just thinking about how much he's done for the sport, both on track and outside of the track as well, all his philanthropy that he's done over the years. Um, like we mentioned, like obviously he wasn't the most liked um, sometimes throughout his season, but he has produced some great races, some great wins. I believe his last podium was Baku last year, if I'm corrected. I know he's had one Baston Martin, um, but I want to say that was his last. Um, but how this weekend's been like all the media clips all the drivers coming together it's just been so heartfelt for it and he says he's over but I mean I I can see him taking a role um within F1 at some some capacity obviously maybe not a driver but in some other kind of way um we'll see how it goes but he's one of the drivers that I first started following when I got into F1 as well. So to kind of have it as the end of the era is quite a interesting one. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he does outside of the season as well from it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Josh, do you have anything to, to say about Sebastian Vettel? I'm sure you do. Well, I mean, I think the question is because, you know, he's only 35 years old and a lot of people will talk about, um, you know, does he have any anything left in him as a racer? Will he return back to Formula One and it, like in a in a few years? And it's crazy to think because he's only thirty five, and Lewis is a couple of years older than him, and Fernando Alonso, of course, is uh, in his forties and still racing. Um, could this be a break kind of similar to what Alonso had, you know, in twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen when he was off the grid, uh, and then coming back in twenty twenty? We'll have to see, but. Uh, you know, I, I feel like for Vettel, I don't think he'll actually come back. Um, I think this might be it for him in, in Formula One as a racer. Maybe not. Maybe he might race uh, in other series uh, later on or do something, have some kind of involvement. But, uh, you know, I think I kind of started to see him in 2020, I guess, be uh, not as you know passionate about Formula One. And you kind of see with the results he was getting that year with Ferrari and then kind of a, a last hurrah i guess or gasp in uh racing for us you know austin martin the last couple of years but um not really uh good results there of course like you said um in 2021 having a second at baku but uh 
nothing nothing really memorable overall about his last two years but you know um still a solid driver throughout his career his solid career and a uh, great career actually you know having four championships in a row but yeah definitely a huge loss and somebody you know that i think a lot of people like uh overall in his career but you know um it's gonna be interesting to see what his future is and you know what um you know what his involvement is post f1 yeah, I think we're kind of on the knife edge of uh, we might be saying goodbye, but we also might be saying farewell. Um, it's also insane to me that we're talking about someone who's 35 years old and going, they can still come back. They've still got things to do. Like, you know, they, they, that, that is the life of the modern, modern Formula One driver. And I think that just the high intensity nature of Formula One doesn't quite suit Seb, which yeah, I think he has to be respected for sitting down and going, you know what? No. Or standing up, sorry, and going, no, I can't. I, I won't quite do this. I'll, I'll wrap up with my head held high. Yeah. Um, and uh and and you know kind of i wouldn't say leave the sport but um head away for a little bit um now that wraps us up that is the last of the traditional coverage for the 2022 grand prix uh season um it's been, it's been a bit of a monster really um and it's only going to get worse uh as we move to two two races every weekend uh, sorry two we uh, a race every two weeks as we're as we're moving towards as formula one marches onwards um but we will be back next year um we will of course have a season review and various things over the winter but uh those are yet to be decided um beyond that um i would love to give our uh, lovely lovely guests um you know, just an opportunity to promo. So um, I will be going with uh, Sophia first for Everything F1. Yeah, uh, so you can find us on www.everythingf1.com. We have articles not just of F1, but also F2 and F3, W Series, uh, IndyCar. We're also on all social media platforms at Join EF1. We also do a podcast weekly that is filmed live, streamed live on Facebook on Tuesdays. And then obviously available on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, and such. Great guests we've had so far. We've had some XF1 drivers. We got Sean Kelly this week, I believe, as well. Um, if you want to give a listen and subscribe. Awesome. And uh, we always get to the little bit awkward uh, awkward situation when we have two people from the same organization. Uh, Philip or Josh, where would you like to get? Okay, right. Uh, right, Philip, we'll head to you. Yeah, we can listen to myself and Josh on the Gripstrip podcast. We'll be on tomorrow to do uh, episode 144, 145. 145. Yeah, 145. And it'll be out during this week. It's a short week, of course, with Thanksgiving here in the United States. So, and not a lot of racing left, but um, we'll talk about Formula One, um, Formula One. Uh, the race and the end of the season, Sebastian, the end of uh, Sebastian's legendary career. We'll uh, get into um, other motorsports. I think Extreme E will be back on this week. So we'll, their season finale will be on. So we'll go and preview that. We'll talk about um, NFL. We'll talk about F2. Yeah, there you go. World Touring Cars as well randomly we'll talk about world touring car racing this week since that's all that's out there um you can find me at philip g matthew on twitter you can find us at grip strip pod on twitter we're on youtube josh handles the youtube side of things so you can watch the grip strip pod on youtube as well um you can also find it uh you can find it on anywhere where their podcasts 
you get podcasts, you can find Gripshire Podcast. You can find us also at philipgmatthew.com. Excellent. Um, right. Uh, if you want to hear, actually, no, I don't think, do you, you know what? I'm not going to pr- plug my Twitter account because it's going to be around for four seconds after I do. Uh, and I won't have made a tweet by then. Um, as Elon Musk finds his way to lose 44 billion in, uh, t- in about 21 days. Um, now, uh, Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most uh, episodes, including this one, are recorded live, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Uh, please consider supporting the channel on some Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. Uh, and you can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise at uh f1 chronicle.com forward slash store uh make sure you subscribe to when uh, you're the first to know about each weekly episode uh, and when it's released um we will be back soon with plenty more f1 content thank you very much for listening and goodbye